Welcome to the Barfly Podcast Season 3. My name is Jeff Burkhart, Barfly columnist for the Marin IJ, and author of the book 20 Years Behind Bars, The Spirit of the Ventures of a Real Bartender, and its sequel, 20 Years Behind Bars, Parole Denied. Today, my co-host is Kevin Blum, restaurant consultant and former community director of the online review site Yelp. Welcome, Kevin. Have a drink on me. Hey, hey, uh, we are so delighted to have one of the founders and head distillers of Barber Lee Spirits in our virtual studio today, Mr. Aaron Lee. Aaron and his partners, Lorraine and Michael Barber, formed Barber Lee Spirits in, I believe, 2017 in downtown Petaluma, where they make delicious single malt rye, absinthe, apple brandy, moonshine, and more. So welcome to the program, Aaron. Thank you very much, Kevin. Appreciate it and uh, excited to be here. Great. I guess, you know, we should start off with the very, very basic question of how did you connect with Lorraine and Michael? And did you even have much of a background or experience in the spirits world prior to starting this company? I met Lorraine and Mike by essentially walking into their tasting room. Mike and Lorraine, they actually own Barber Cellars, which is a winery right next door to the distillery. I happened to be up in Petaluma one weekend with a buddy, and we were looking for a place to hang our hat. And we literally just walked in the door and, you know, I was drinking their wine. They make a fantastic wine. And that is essentially the history. Joined their wine club. And over the next few months, as well as I think, uh, actually the next few months and year, just built up a really quality relationship with the two of them. And we decided to build a distillery together. As far as experience, zero experience. Uh, my only experience with whiskey was really drinking it. Definitely a avid consumer of whiskey. Uh, before, before becoming a distiller, I, I started off my career in finance. And anyone who works in finance knows that you drink a lot because of the work because it's so fun and so rewarding (laughs) and the managers are, are, are wonderful people. So, you know, that's why you, you all drink. Uh, But yeah, I, I I started off uh, in finance, went into biotech research and then from biotech research, I wanted to start my own business. And that's basically around the time that I met Mike and Lorraine. Experience is often overrated sometimes in distilling. I mean, there's there's certainly a, a place for it, but an appreciation for the, the product is, is important because distilling in and of itself is not a difficult process. I mean, all I have to do is look at moonshine and realize people made whiskey, essentially, in backwoods out of a, out of a barrel. And so there's a difference between making a product and actually appreciating a product and bringing a, an enthusiasm to it is, is something different. And sometimes a, a new take really helps. And I think you guys have done that with some of your products. Your products are not your typical whiskey or or apple brandy products. I mean, they're a little bit different. Thank you. We definitely uh, try to focus on the the quality, the craft, the uniqueness, uh, you know, the, the end product. We're not trying to copy anyone else and make the exact carbon copy of another product that we enjoy. Uh, we're always trying to, you know, push push the limits as far as what can we do that will excite the customer? We don't want to necessarily make something unique for unique sake, but 
we are always trying to make something that is distinguishable and, and different than everyone else. Well, your single malt rye whiskey is a, a great example of that. I mean, you, you see a lot of rye whiskeys, straight ryes, regular ryes, barrel finished ryes, but a straight malt whiskey is, is a little bit different, or a single malt whiskey is a little bit different. You want know, you to explain what that difference is? The single malt rye whiskey is, is not very popular as far as a production method. The rye grain is not as cheap as corn. And from the very beginning, uh, from, from malting the rye grain, it is very difficult to handle. It becomes very sticky, and especially in the fermentation tank. I mean, when we first started out, we were using rafting paddles to stir our mash. Uh, you know, and stirring that in 300, 400 gallon tanks by hand was extremely difficult. I always describe the rye mash as kind of like an oatmeal with a bunch of Elmer's glue. Uh, <laughs> so it was definitely difficult. You know, it definitely adds a uniqueness on the flavor. It's not a stereotypical rye where a lot of ryes are described as being very peppery or very, being very spicy. Right. Ours definitely has spice to it, but it's not it's not an overtone. It's not uh, the single note of spice. There's there's definitely diversity in there. And for people who don't understand, the cooking of the of the wort, the original stuff, is hot. It's smelly, and uh, like you said, it has the consistency of glue. So it's it's not particularly an easy, fun environment to be in. No, definitely not. And people are familiar with single malt, of course, because that's typically how uh, Scotch and Irish whiskeys are made, right? And so there's a little different different process there, but not too unfamiliar, right? It's not just, like you said, being unique for unique sake. It's, it's a process that has already existed, has existed for hundreds of years. It's just being applied to a, an American-style product, which is rye. Scotch, they, they use single malt barley or uh, malted barley in, in their single malt scotches versus, you know, what we're doing. We're just doing the, the single malt on the rye. And there's a double entendre there for, for Scotch whiskey, of course, too. Single malt means all made at one distillery where um, uh, you're using it as a, a little different thing, even though all your whiskey is made at one distillery. Yes, that is correct. Because people get confused with small batch and, and and single barrel with American whiskeys, and they're not the same thing. Small batch has no definition. Single barrel, of course, is one barrel. You know, small batch doesn't necessarily mean, you know, just because it's small batch versus a single barrel doesn't mean that it's any worse by, by any means. But yes, it, it definitely... Nor any better, by the way. Yeah. Or, or any better. But, you know, it is, it is something to uh, note when you do compare it to, to other products. You guys are based in Petaluma. That's your home base. And Jeff and I were talking about this before because, Jeff, I believe you grew up in Petaluma. I did. Went to high school there. Went to high school and uh, back in the day. I mean, it used to be a fairly, you know, sleepy town. And I feel like, I don't know about you, but I feel like it's evolved into a, a real dining, drinking destination. I mean... Are you seeing that? And why do you think that is? It has gotten a lot better over the years uh, as far as diversity on the types of food, on just also the quality. Petaluma, way back in the day, was the aid capital of the United States. You know, you can still see it all over town. It's still very much a farming community. 
those, those characteristics definitely help it be a food destination uh, and drinking destination. The, the restaurants have easy access to all the farmers in the, in the region, as well as Tamales Bay, which is a huge, you know, oyster farming community as well. So, I mean, we, we get fresh seafood in the area, as well as fresh vegetables and choice cuts of locally raised meat. That, along with transplants from all over the country, as well as all over the world, have really added to the diversity of food and culture to, to the city. When I grew up there, the largest, when I went to high school there back in the 80s, the largest organization in my high school was the Future Farmers of America, which having come from Berkeley was kind of a shock to me that kids actually would get out of school to go farm. So the idea when this notion of farm to table came along, I always laughed because Petaluma was always farm to table. That's what they did, right? That, there was nothing new in that, in that idea. It was just new to other people. And you're right. There's, you know, you've got the wine country on one side. You've got the, the San Francisco is not that far away. You know, you've got the ocean on the other side. It's just amazing place to to source products uh, in that nature. Plus, I think the socioeconomic dynamic has changed. When when I grew up there, I actually moved to San Francisco, the Bay Area, uh, further south, because that's where the culinary scene was happening. And I worked in the restaurant business. It's almost the exact opposite now. Santa Rosa, uh, Sonoma, Petaluma all are booming as far as a, a younger de demographic. And all you have to do is look at, you know, distillers, for, for instance. There's there's hundreds of them up there where somewhere like Marin County has three, maybe four. You can also look at the, the number of breweries. You know, you look at Lagunitas, you know, how long they've been there. And, you know, they, they were, you know, one of the first big, first brewers to really hit it big in the region, or I think that they actually were the first uh, brewer to hit it big in the region. And from them, you know, there's so many other breweries in the area, in Petaluma, in Sonoma County, you know, you go all the way up to, you know, Windsor. And yeah, like you said, there's, there's hundreds of breweries, there's a bunch of distilleries, a lot of wineries, just the easy access to all the food, all the alcohol, I think really benefits the, the entire region to be able to make the the city a a eating a dining and drinking destination so let me write that down uh, alcohol is good all right alcohol is down good. My notes. <laughs> <laughs> one of the uh, products that you uh, are coming out with that that has me pretty excited is your heirloom corn bourbon i think uh you know again back to the the, the basic uh, pattern of, of american whiskey is is corn is cheap and so with bourbon in particular, that most bourbons are lower on the percentage. I mean, they have to be 51%, but you rarely see high bourbon content bourbons. And and you've kind of gone in a different area. Well, I mean, to finish on that point, that the rye is used to actually offset that flavor in a lot of cases, where you've kind of reimagined re the idea and said, well, why don't you use better quality corn to start off with? So that's uh, your product. That product's not out yet, but how far along is it, and and what makes it different? We use two different uh, types of heirloom corn. We use a blue and we use a red, and those two corns definitely definitely add you know a unique flavor to the bourbon. We actually just bottled up the bourbon, so it is now ready for purchase. Oh, great! How much is it? Forty dollars oh. for a three seventy five bottle. Oh, okay. And so is it a limited stock and yeah we're we're going 375s right now because it is a, it is a very limited stock. Uh going forward though we will be going into 750s 
are our full size bottles. So this is a this is a straight bourbon. No, it's not. This one is is not a straight bourbon. It's not quite there. Uh, this one is aged just about two years. It has three different types of corn in it. Uh, you know, as you said, that has the two heirloom, which is the the red and the blue, and then we do, and then we also add the dent corn along with the the rye and a barley. Okay. So and the percentage of corn is? Uh, it's well over 50%. Uh, it's, it's pushing closer to 60 to 70%. And how would you characterize its flavor profile? You know what? I think you just need to send me a bottle. I think that's what we're <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So again, you know, the, the difference, I mean, corn, you know, it, you, you get locked into uh, cliches where, or not cliches, but but boxes where rye is spicy, corn is sweet, but that's not necessarily true. It, it depends on on how you're making it and what you're doing. And that's why your, your different techniques are interesting because it sets your products apart while also still retaining enough familiarity to, to not make it like, I what the heck is that? I, you know, like, like peanut butter bourbon. I've never got that. I don't know why people make that, but there's a product out there that's called peanut butter yeah. bourbon. So that that's that that's going the other route where you you're tending to look at these familiar products with a new eye. And, and, and that's refreshing. Ah, thank you. I'm curious, what are the challenges of pretty much running a mom and pop distillery? Uh, I mean, I, I think a lot of folks aren't aware of how hands-on the job really is. I mean, you're doing everything from distilling the spirits to bottling them to selling them. Do you ever sleep? <laughs> how does this work? The challenges are that definitely the, the distillery, you could say, is a second wife a second girlfriend or, you know, a third child kind of deal. Uh, we're definitely tied to it. You know, we, we are in still in its growth phase of the business. You know, 2020, what we were looking at as, as being a breakout year, uh, you know, and then of course COVID happened. But I, I invested into this business and I started this business with Mike and Lorraine. And in the beginning, I thought I was going to be a distiller and brewer. And I quickly found out that, you know, I was a janitor, I was a distiller, I was a laborer, a brewer, a brand ambassador, marketing and advertising agent, bartender. I, I never imagined myself becoming a bartender. I never thought I would get in the business of mixing drinks. <laughs> and here I am, I'm, I'm, I'm mixing drinks on the weekends. It's very challenging, but at the same time, because it is a passion of mine, it is a passion of all of ours. Uh, it's it's enjoyable. It is very fulfilling and definitely wouldn't change anything. I mean, obviously, this has been a, a very uh, unique year <laughs> with COVID. And I, obviously, a lot of folks in the industry know that people like to drink during good times and they'd like to drink even more during bad times. What have you seen this past year in your industry and what kind of challenges has your business had to you know encounter during COVID? Yeah, great question. A lot of people are drinking a lot more during COVID, for sure. From what I've seen, people really default to what they know. So if if someone already knew about our brand, if someone was familiar with our products and what we're trying to do, we definitely got a lot of support from those individuals. And a lot of that came from the community. The community was definitely a big supporter of us mm -hmm. through this whole pandemic. It's, it's been really great to see all, all the individuals in the community 
really lift us up and keep us going. You know, without without Petaluma, we would still not be in business for sure. That being said, you know, it, it's it's really difficult to ask a, a completely new customer to spend forty fifty dollars on a bottle of whiskey that they have never tried before. So it's been difficult in the pandemic in that can't do tastings or we, we couldn't do tastings in our facility for a long time. And then we, we wouldn't be able to work with bars and restaurants uh, to do tastings in their facilities. And because bars and restaurants were shut down for such a long period, that whole side of the business was just gone. What have you guys done to uh, to offset that? I know you did some cocktails to go. You've done some lunch kits and things of that and delivery, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that that is exactly it. I mean, we just had to adapt uh, and look at the options that were given to us. And, you know, one of the great things that we're really happy about is that, you know, we were able to sell online. So that was a huge uh, life preserver for us and a great way for people throughout the state of California to be able to get gain access to our product. Definitely working with other local restaurants, local caterers, doing the cocktails to go with uh, food pairing was definitely a big deal. You know, now we have outdoor seating in our garage space and, you know, we're serving food and doing cocktails and tastings that way right now. And you have a great little facility right off Petaluma Boulevard there on, on, on Washington that's just uh, you know, it's really old Petaluma feeling. I mean, it really has a great little feel to it. We're in a great location. We're, we're right on the road all the way to Tomales Bay, Dillon Beach, and Bodega Bay. So we get a lot of uh, people going out there, looking out their car windows and almost getting into car accidents, <laughs> trying to figure out what we are and what we're doing. Again, that facility is very quaint and 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 cool. So I, I can see why people would, would be stopping for that for that reason, but you're seating outside now, which is something that you didn't do before, because essentially your, your your facility is all in one. I mean, your barrels are right behind the tasting thing. It's it's a, a one shot deal, and 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 essentially it's a one employee situation too, isn't it? We're we're doing everything. So you know, I I cover one day, Mike covers another day, and Lorraine covers Sunday. Uh, essentially, you know, there's only one of us there. So because our tasting room is currently closed, we we had to set up in the garage kind of space. We open up our big roll up garage door, and we set up right there on the edge. And we can't really serve that many people, but it's the it's the option that was given to us. So you know, that's what we're going to roll with to to make it work. And it's, you know, it's just about adaptability at this point. It is, isn't it? And and one of the things that, that I've always noticed about your products is that they're adaptive to a, you have the absinthe, you have the apple brandy. Uh, some of these products are, are not, not on the forefront of what's going on yet, but I bet you they will be at some point. I have to say some of your cocktails are very inventively named. The, the uh, Petaluma Boulevardier is one of my favorites. And the other one, the Moonshine Zombie, or what? What is it called? The uh, oh, the Backwood Zombie. Backwood Zombie. That's that's hilarious. Yeah. So I mean, there's cleverness all throughout your products. I think uh, everyone should get out and and support local businesses. And what better local business to support than Barbara Lee Spirits and Petaluma? Thank you. I appreciate it. So don't worry about tomorrow. Take it for today. Please join us next time when we welcome Mimi Tao, editor of Large and Marine Magazine, and host of MakeItBetter.com. My name is Jeff Burkhardt. Thanks for listening. Have a drink on.